Are you feeling anxious about your work situation? Did you get laid off, furloughed, fired? Are you still working, but your hours have been cut? Or you're not sure how long you're going to have a job? Well, there is a lot of uncertainty in the world. And our work or income is a place where anxiety can be the highest. Because work represents safety. So let's share some ideas and some resources that could help you provide some relief to your anxiety in terms of understanding how your brain works and how to help yourself in this unique situation. Specifically, I want to help you get your emotions in check and under control. And that's going to go a long ways in helping you clearly think and find the resources you need. And I also want to help you get out of your head and and back into a place of taking action. See, today we're going to talk a lot about the paralysis of analysis that can cause us to become stuck in a crisis such as this. So if that sounds useful, then stick around. Hey, I'm Brett Williams. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and the executive director of thegatheringofgoodpeople.com. We are a nonprofit dedicated to helping you grow. Grow emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We've created this new series called Anxious to help address the anxieties that's been created around the coronavirus. And today, I want to share a few ideas about work anxiety because we've started a new support group every Friday at noon on Zoom. You can check us out. Um, you can find us actually at our Gathering of Good People Facebook page, but we're going to provide a support group to help you deal with the anxiety that's coming around with work. And particularly, that's what we want to do in this podcast. Now, to help you kind of learn some new ideas about how your brain works and how we're going to get around the paralysis that can happen in our analysis, I want to talk with you about a business owner. His name was Mitch. Uh, Mitch's world was just turned upside down by the coronavirus. And uh, it was the sudden shutdown of the economy that really just clinched it. See, his business was event planning and social distancing kind of put that and all of his future kind of in an uncertain situation, right? So the guy was pretty proactive. I was pretty impressed. He, you know, first day he was out there uh, working hard to get signed up with the payroll protection plan, the PPP loans that were authorized by the Congress uh, to help businesses like his. But as soon as he jumps on and starts putting in applications or contacting different resources, uh, he quickly gets shut down because the whole system basically shut down. And um, he becomes overwhelmed with all the doors closing in his face, the the kind of the frustrations of applying, reapplying, applying, reapplying, and then 
getting denied, not denied, but not even getting responded to. Um, sorry, we have too many applications, can't get back to you, blah, blah, blah. So he's feeling pretty disappointed. And after a couple days, and maybe even a week of this, he soon became despondent, kind of trapped in his bed. His anxiety grew to such a pitch that he didn't basically want to do anything. He was a mover and a shaker. And now, now he was paralyzed with anxiety. And that's, that's when he gave me a call for help. Well, what was happening is that his two brains became looping. They began to loop in uh, fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight, which ultimately paralyzed him and meant that he was frozen. See, when, there, when there's nowhere to run and, and nothing to fight against, your brain just becomes stuck, frozen in fear. See, normally, brains, people, and even creatures, we know how to deal with crisis. In fact, all creatures from the beginning of time have had to deal with life-threatening situations. But what happens when there's nothing you could do, like our situation with Mitch? Well, particularly if you're human, you will tend to become trapped in your thoughts. And thinking too much creates a paralysis of analysis. Mitch's thinking was unable to get him into a place of action because he just kept looping in his thoughts, looping his thoughts, looping his thoughts. Many of us uh, work, um, many of us have noticed in our work that we've, we've kind of dropped productivity. Even those of us that have jobs and a certain level of stability in this crisis, you may have noticed that your brains are foggy. That focus is harder and productivity for all of us has dropped. See, when our world becomes disturbed, our normal patterns are disrupted, which includes how we think. Now, let me explain a little bit about how that works and how the brain works so you can kind of understand what's, what's happening when we get stuck. For the most part, our brains, this is always a funny statement, but for the most part, our brains don't like to think. The reason why brains don't like to think is because thinking is super expensive. It takes a ton of time, a ton of energy. Um, it's very slow. And, and most of the time, what our brain likes to do is it likes to set up patterns. And then from those patterns, we can just move take action. Um, and, and, you know, you can think about simple things like driving your car or walking or talking. You, you can think about almost anything. We don't think about those things. And if we had to think about those things, remember, remember driving a car when you actually had to think about driving a car? Remember when you were first learning? You had to think about the brakes, you had to think about the gas, you had to think about the steering wheel and the, and the turn indicators and you know all the rules of the road and all that fun stuff. 
it was paralyzing. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I can just remember driving down the road probably about five miles an hour, just trying to run through all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And that's because thinking is slow. Thinking is um, really cumbersome because when you think, you, you end up having to focus on one thing at a time. And in something like driving, where it takes, you know, a hundred, a dozen different things to think about, it becomes really complicated. And that's what happens in a crisis like this. Um, our normal reactive brain, our normal brain that just wants to move and take action becomes paralyzed because we're too much in thought. Let me see if I can break it down a little bit more. Um, if you've ever seen a brain, you, you've seen a brain, right? Right. The outside, you remember the outside, the all wrinkly, pinkish gray stuff on the outside? That is your higher thinking brain. Your the brain that, that does all the analysis and evaluations, and it's actually even all your creativity as well. This is, this is what I call your thinking mind. And these two you know, outer layers, you always see that, that split in the hemispheres. These two hemispheres um, do all the processing, both the logical thinking as well as the creative thinking. And, and thinking brains are unique to humans and, and maybe some other highly developed creatures like other primates. But mainly humans really have a really well-developed thinking brain. Now, then there's this other structure, this deeper structure in your brain. These are the more primitive parts of your brain that, that are kind of deep in the core. And we share these parts of our brain with most mammals. This is what we often call the mammalian brain. And these, this is your limbic system and your brainstem. And these part of your brains don't think. Cats don't think. Dogs don't think. They don't think like you and I. We don't think and analyze things. Um, I've been trying to train my dog. It sounds silly, but I've been trying to train my dog how to talk. Doesn't that sound weird? And what we do is we have these buttons these big, they're big giant buttons that are recordable. You can actually hit it and record a word or phrase. And, um, and so what she has to do is hit the button and then it'll say, you know, whatever word or phrase is recorded. And, and we're teaching her how to communicate. Um, one of the buttons is cookie. One of the buttons is go. Another button is walk. And the other button is potty. Um, yeah, we just have all kinds of different buttons. And, and, she, because she doesn't think she is all program brain, um, we just have to repetitively, 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 repetitively practice, practice, practice training on these buttons because that's the way the mammalian brain works. It doesn't think, it acts. And so if I'm going to program in an action, then I have to do it repetitively because I just can't think about it and do it. Not, not that primitive part of my brain. Um, so, so th there we are, we have the two brains. I, I often take my hands and, and maybe you can imagine this yourself, but I take my hands and I put my right hand in a fist and I take my left hand and I just wrap it over the top of the fist. And that represents 
basically the two parts of my brain. This upper part that's wrapped around the fist is my higher thinking brain, and the lower part, the fist, is um, is my reactive brain, and then my arm stretches down like my spinal cord. So these two structures, the thinking brain likes to think, and the reactive brain likes to act. And when life works its best, your thinking brain and your reactive brain work together, coming up with an idea and then moving it into action. But like in our example with Mitch, um, what has happened was that the action part was not really clear. He's in a crisis. This is new territory. This is uh, something that he's never had to deal with, something we've never had to deal with, any of us. And therefore, he was always looping back into thinking brain. What am I going to do? 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 And as long as he was up in the thinking brain, he was not able to access his actions. Let me let me give you another simple example that's kind of uh, out of context because sometimes it's good to step away and, and look at things. So I want you to imagine for a minute that you wanted to buy a car. If I wanted to buy a car, I would go through a series of thoughts and then actions. But if I go forward and continually ask myself more thoughts, then what will it do? It was it would freeze me from taking actions. So the simple example is I think about buying a car. Well, my first question to myself is should I or should I not buy a car? And I think about that and do maybe a little bit of research, look at my bank account, um, look at my budget, uh, look at costs of cars, maybe some simple things like that. And I begin to take some small actions. As I go through those actions, then I make a choice, a decision. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy a car. Okay. Now my next thought is, well, what kind of car should I buy? And then my brain moves that thought into some new actions. And then I begin to look at making different choices and what kind of car I want to get. Looking at different um, factors in terms of uh, cost or size or all that kind of issues. And then after I process all of that, I make a decision. Okay, I want to buy a car. I think I'm going to buy a van. Okay. Then I go into looking and exploring vans. Pretty normal, right? Then I may even get myself all the way down to a dealer. And I start talking to the dealer about a car. But but what would happen? What would happen at, at any of those junctions, at any of those points, I wasn't able to move from thinking to action? Which basically means move from thinking, turn off the brain, then move. Action. No thought. If I got to the dealer and I said, do I really need a new car? Hmm. Do I really want a van? Hmm. Can I afford this? Hmm. If I, in that moment, pull myself back out of action and back into thought, what's going to happen? I'm going to be paralyzed. I'm not going to buy the car. That's not going to happen. 
because I'm back in thinking mode. I'm back in hmm, evaluating what I want to do. And that is what creates the paralysis of analysis, is that, that I can't get out of thinking brain, higher thinking brain, and actually make a choice, shut the thinking brain off, and then allow that information to then move into action brain. Can you see how that works? I'd stop. All my forward actions stop when I am in thinking brain. Thinking brains think, reactive brains act. So for me to act, I have to, by definition, I have to get out of my thinking brain. Now, in a crisis or a novel situation, like the, like what we're in now, our actions are unclear because there's there's too much information, there's too much unknown, there's too much that's unclear. And what that does for all of us is it keeps us thinking, 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 thinking. And then we can't move. Well, to break the spell, to, to move me out of this paralysis of analysis, I needed to move my client into action, even though there was no clear direction. See, I have a philosophy. My philosophy is that it's easier for me to move, to steer a moving car than a parked car. If I'm in a parked car, I can turn the wheel all I want. And, and the wheels of the car will turn, but nothing's going to happen. But, but if I'm in a moving car, and that car is going somewhere, it almost doesn't matter what direction the car's headed. Once you're moving, it's easier then to steer it. So even if I'm even if I'm moving in the absolute wrong direction, because the car is moving, I can then change direction to where I need to go. So to help Mitch move again, we had to tap into his prior state of action. Now, the way I did that with him was I asked him to think back when he first started building businesses. I asked him if he was paralyzed by all of his overthinking. His answer, he instantly lit up like a, like a Christmas tree, big smile, sparkle in his eyes. Hell no. <laughs> My first 10 businesses ideas, they didn't work. But that was all right, because each situation moved me closer to my goal. And he just he just started talking about um, being young and dumb. And that was totally cool with him, because he was learning. And, and he just got himself out of thinking and was just in a pure mood of action. And he learned along the way. And so... That was clearly the state I wanted to bring him back into. So in the session, we, we did a time machine exercise where I had him remember and move back to that time in his life. And we did a kind of a, uh, kind of a visualization, hypnosis kind of technique where I asked him to remember what those times look like, to picture that to see himself, to recall, you know, where he lived and 
where he was working, what he was doing, you know, working out of his car or, you know, on his bed with his laptop. What was he doing? And as we started to remember what that looked like those days, then it, he could help tap into what that felt like and what he acted like back then. And as he started to tap into these old parts of himself, it was able for him to, to revive those days of taking action with little to no certainty about what was going on in his life. Kind of similar to where he is now. Then once I got him tapped into his action brain and, and kind of remembering, recalling that, then we future paced those feelings into tomorrow. And I asked him to again do a similar process, but this time moving forward to begin to imagine getting up in the morning tomorrow and seeing you know, his bedroom, seeing where he is, seeing everything around him, and seeing him take that active part of his brain and putting it in gear and, and seeing him moving forward, jumping on his computer, um, starting to send out emails, um, maybe brainstorming some plans, but just see him beginning to move. And as he did that, his energy began to flow and his level of excitement began to rise. By the time the session was over, his energy, he was so energized. <laughs> Let me just tell you. And he, he was ready for action. Well, following up, I, I just heard from him the other day, and uh, he, he was totally in high gear. He's reshaped his business ideas to, before he was all about planning, meeting planning, event planning, all that kind of stuff. And, and so then he took that expertise and he began to think about, well, what if I created a, a planning company, a meeting company that helped people create big meetings seminars, presentations, conferences online. If this is the new normal or if this is going to be a trend in any way, how could I be one of the first forerunners in helping companies put together large events that need to be online? And now he's pulling together all the materials and, and all of his experience to creating these online events. Will this new idea work? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not a prophet. I have no idea. Um, but it doesn't matter, right? He's moving again. And as long as he's going, he's gonna, he's gonna find his directions. Now, to you. If you need help dealing with your anxiety around work, again, I want to ask you to come and join our anxiety workshop groups. We're on Fridays at noon. That's noon mountain time. And um, you can check our events section in the, actually you can go to the Gathering of Good People Facebook page for, for more information there in the events. And then I'll also try to put a link in this as well. All right. Well, I hope to see you in our anxiety support group. And thank you so much for listening to this 
particular episode of Anxious. Again, I'm Brett, your favorite shrink, and we will talk soon. Take care.